Section 55 of The Mysteries of London, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rod. The Mysteries of London, Volume 3, by George W. M. Reynolds. Galvanism. By the time St. George's Church was passed, the drivers had whipped their horses into a furious gallop, and on, on went the morning vehicles like the wind. The sleek and pampered black horses panted and foamed, but the coachmen cared not. They were well paid for what they were doing. Down Union Street rolled the chariot and the hearse, into the Blackfriars Road, up the wide thoroughfare to the river, over the bridge, along Farringdon Street, and through Smithfield to Clerkenwell Green. In an incredibly short space of time the two vehicles stopped at the door of a house in Red Lion Street. Dr. Lascelles was the first to leap from the morning coach, and taking a key from his pocket he opened the door of the house, into which, quickly as active men could move or work, the coffin was borne from the hearse. Jacob Smith was helped out immediately afterwards, and he followed the earl, the physician, and the three servants into the house, while the morning coach and the hearse still waited at the door. A quarter of an hour afterwards the coffin, with the lid now screwed down, was borne back to the hearse. The three servants returned to the morning coach, and the funeral procession was set in motion again, but with slow and suitable solemnity. In another half-hour the coffin, with the name of Thomas Rainford upon the plate, was interred in St. Luke's churchyard, and thus ended this ceremony. But did that coffin really contain the cold corpse of the once gallant highwayman? No. It had been hastily filled with stones and straw at the house in Red Lion Street. And the body? The moment the coffin was borne into the house in Red Lion Street in the manner already described, Jacob Smith closed the door behind him and exclaimed in a triumphant tone, as he produced the silver tube from his pocket, It was in his throat! I took it out, and I rubbed his temples with hartshorn and applied it to his nostrils the whole way from the jail to this place. Oh, he will be saved! He will be saved! The lid of the coffin, which had not been screwed down, was removed and in the shell lay the highwayman with eyes closed and pale as death. The Earl of Ellingham shuddered convulsively and uttered a groan of anguish, but Dr. Lascelles gave his instructions with so much presence of mind and yet such rapidity that the intensity of the nobleman's grief was soon partially absorbed in the excitement of the scene that now followed. The body was removed as hastily as possible upstairs and carried into a spacious laboratory where it was immediately stretched upon the table. The three servants then retraced their way downstairs, filled the coffin with stones and straw, screwed the lid tight, and departed with it, as already stated, to St. Luke's churchyard. In the meantime, the physician, the earl, and Jacob Smith remained in the laboratory, and now was the profound scientific knowledge of Dr. Lascelles about to be applied to the most wonderful act of human aims, the resuscitation of a convict who had been hanged. The poles of a powerful galvanic pile were applied to the body, from which the animal heat had not altogether departed when it was taken from the coffin, and the force of the electric fluid almost immediately displayed its wondrous influence. 
and universal tremor passed over the frame of Rainford, and ejaculations of ineffable joy burst from the lips of Lord Ellingham and Jacob Smith. Dr. Lascelles continued to let fall upon the body a full quantum of the electric fluid, and in less than a minute the right arm of the highwayman moved, moved with a kind of spasmodic quivering. Then, in a few seconds, it was suddenly raised with eagerness and impatience, and the hands sought the throat. With convulsive motion that hand kept grasping the throat as if to tear away something that oppressed it, as if the horrible rope still encircled it. Then Rainford's chest began to swell and work with the violence of returning respiration, as if a mighty current of air were rushing back to the lungs. "'He breathes! He breathes!' cried Ellingham and Jacob Smith, as it were in one voice. "'He will be saved!' said the physician calmly, as he again applied the poles of the battery, provided congestion of the brain does not take place, for that is to be dreaded. But the nobleman and the poor lad heard not this alternative of sinister and dubious import. They had no ears for anything save those blessed words, He will be saved, and they were literally wild with joy. Lascelles, without desisting from his occupation of applying the electric fluid, and apparently without noticing the excitement, the delirium of happiness and hope which had seized upon his two companions, began leisurely to explain how it was necessary to adopt means to equalise the reviving circulation, and though he called for Hartshorn, he was not heard. At length he stamped his foot violently on the floor, exclaiming, "'Will neither of you give me the Hartshorn? Do you wish him to die through your neglect?' The Earl instantly checked the exuberance of his joyous emotions, and hastened to obey all the instructions which the physician gave him. The Hartshorn was applied to Rainsford's nostrils, and in a few moments his lips began to quiver. Then, on a sudden, as Lascelles let fall upon him a stronger current of the electric fluid, a terrific cry burst from the object of all this intensely concentrated interest. But never was cry of human agony more welcome to mortal ears than now, for it told those who heard it that life was in him who gave vent to it. The physician felt the highwayman's pulse. It beat feebly, very feebly but still it beat. And now his limbs moved with incessant trembling, and he waved his right hand backwards and forwards, his breast heaving with repeated sighs and gasps and painful moans. The doctor applied a small mirror to Rainsford's mouth and nostrils, and it was instantly covered with a cloud. He now opened his eyes slowly. They were much bloodshot, but the pupils indicated the reviving fires of vitality. His breathing rapidly grew more regular, and though he retained his eyes open, yet he seemed unconscious of all that was passing around him, and gazed upwards with the most death-like indifference. Lord Ellingham cast a glance of frightful apprehension towards the physician, but the countenance of Dr. Lascelles wore an expression of calm and complacent satisfaction, and the Earl was reassured. Twenty minutes had now passed since the galvanic operation had commenced, and at last, Dr. Lascelles said emphatically, he is saved. The Earl embraced him as if he were a father who had just manifested some extraordinary proof of paternal love, or who had forgiven some deep offence on the part of a son. We must put him to bed immediately, said the physician, with difficulty extricating himself from the nobleman's embrace, and fearing, lest he should be compelled to undergo a similarly affectionate process at the hands of Jacob Smith, who was equally enthusiastic in his joy. We must put him to bed immediately. 
repeated Dr. Lascelles, and fortunately for us there is a bedchamber in the house. The three then carefully lifted Tom Rain into a small room furnished as a bedchamber, and where they undressed him and deposited him in the bed. And now, said Jacob Smith, we should remember that there is one who will feel as much joy as ourselves. True, cried the Earl, but where does she live? I am acquainted with her abode, returned the lad, if your lordship will allow me— "'Yes, my good boy,' interrupted Arthur, "'it is for you to convey these joyous tidings. "'But perhaps she may have returned home to her father, "'for after all that has occurred, "'and considering Mr. de Medina's affection for his daughter. "'But all this while we are talking enigmatically "'in the presence of my excellent friend the doctor, "'from whom there must be no secrets—' "'Never mind me,' said Lascelles laconically, "'who perfectly well comprehended the nature of their illusions.' I care little for your secrets, and, even if it were otherwise, I am too much occupied with my patient here. Then we will not trouble you with explanations at present, interrupted the old Jacob, my lad, hasten to the lady of whom we speak, break the happy tidings to her gently, and bring her hither. Yes, my lord, answered the lad, delighted at being chosen as the messenger of good tidings in such a case. Fortunately, Mr. Medina moved from Brandon Street into the heart of the city, by Mr. Rainford's positive directions, and I shall not be long before I come back with her. The Earl put gold into his hand, but Jacob returned it, declaring that he was not without money, and in another minute the front door of the house closed behind him. End of section 55 Recording by Rod